0: Hello and welcome to the weekly VM Campos Comic Book Club. I'm your host, VM Campos. This is the podcast where I answer the question, what am I reading this week? This is the series where I review a comic book, new or old, from my collection and rate it on the following factors, cover art, interior art, plot, and enjoyability of the book on a scale of one to five. For the free video version of the podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash March 23rd, 2016. That was the day of the debut of this podcast. 207 new comic book days ago, this podcast debuted. It is crossing over to begin the fifth year of broadcast. I never would have thought it made it this far. I wanted to make a podcast about comic books. I've grown up with comic books. I love their history. I love their stories, their characters, their value, their memories. And I wanted to share what I was reading every single week in podcast form. Four years later, I'm still doing it. Four years later, I'll probably still be doing it. So this is a special episode. I'm going to look back. I'm going to look back at the last year of the podcast, mention every episode that was released, and a little recollection about it. It's a mini four-year anniversary episode of the podcast. So every single week in the year 2019, I released an episode. The very first episode of 2019 was on January 2nd, and that was episode number 145, where I talked about Chandra number one from IDW. Uh, It took like a whole year for that series to wrap up, and it was only four episodes. It was released way less often than quarterly. That was really sad. I don't know what happened with either Wizards of the Coast or IDW or the writers, creators, whoever, but that series came out to much fanfare. And when I reviewed it, I had it for at least a week or two. But the final issue didn't even come out until very recently in the year 2020. Oh well. Episode 146 was Wizard Beach. That was a fun story of a young wizard that was going to go meet his uh, uncle or something, who was a, an old-time wizard that was going to teach him everything he needed to know. The older wizard uh, kind of was like, uh, chill out, man, let's just hang out at the beach and don't worry about wizarding and all of that. And the youngster really wanted to learn to be a wizard, but the older wizard was more of a party dude nowadays. I remember it was a fun series, f- some fun art that could be very detailed. Next, I read Zell Sword Dancer number one. That was from 1986. I oftentimes talk about older comics, and this was an old comic that I had gotten recently at that point. It was a Stephen A. Galacci comic book, one of my favorite independent creators of the 1980s. So that was a black and white series. ...over at his Thoughts and Images comic company. And it was about uh, a primitive society in the far-flung future... ...that was never completed. It only had one issue. The art was not by Galachi... ...who is much more famous for his Irma Felna albedo story... ...and birthright... uh, ...and uh, being a big name in the furry community. So that was an interesting read. It was black and white, good art. Interesting story that just never completed... Next, I read the Disney Afternoon Giant Number One. I don't remember anything about it, just that I published that podcast back in January twenty third, twenty nineteen. It was ten minutes long. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say about it. It was a Disney comic, which I'm sure meant. Uh, well, I guess that was from IDW, and it probably had a an all star cast of European creators, which is something that I noticed with a lot of the Disney books. They have a they have a lot of names apparently like from Italy. Uh, maybe Belgium and there is that contingent of creators that creates the current Disney stuff. It probably had great art. It was probably a gentle story for all ages, which was fun. Next I read William Gibson's Alien 3 number one. That one was really cool. It was the the aborted Alien 3 script that was never completed that is never released. David Fincher went on to direct the movie after uh, that film stayed in limbo for years. So this was really cool to see. I believe it was from Dark Horse. Dark Horse has the license for the Aliens characters. It was really cool to see William Gibson's treatment of the story. It was very different from what we saw in Alien 3. Ripley was almost non-existent in the plot. It was more about Hicks and... Bishop and a brand new cast of characters. Very Cold War feel to it all. Pretty cool book. Next, I read No Ducks Number Two from 1979. Ooh, what a backstory on that. This was one of these underground comics that was being published in the 70s. Although it is often said that the heyday of the comics movement was from 1968 to 1971 at the latest. Anyway, this was a, an anthology book of a variety of artists who are all making their own irreverent, black-and-white, adult-focused comic books full of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And I got this book off of eBay because it was one of the inspirations uh, for Stephen A. Galacci's own work for him to get into comic publishing. So I read the book. It was very raunchy. It was very well-drawn. It was uh, pretty psychedelic, raw, and nasty— And I got that off of eBay, and it was kind of interesting to get. I believe it was from Last Gasp Comics. That sounds about right. I want to go back and get issue number one, which either issue one or two. One of them was the more tame version. I think number one was the more tame version, and the number two was the more hardcore version. So that's the one I had read last year. Next, I read Hickey Volume Three, Number Two from twenty o six. I got this at a at a thrift store, one of the local Goodwills, and it was a weird book that was drawn very well, but it it was just full of like violent, weird, cute cartoons, very gross stuff. And when I did the research for the for the book originally, I found that there that I had that I had Volume Three. Of this, so it was from some independent company, I think, and it was interesting. It had a variety of artists doing their thing, and some stories were better than others. But I really enjoy going to thrift stores and maybe finding some long forgotten comic. Next, I read Harley Quinn Volume Three, Number Fifty Six from 2016. I don't remember anything about that comic, uh, just that it was from 2016. Here. And it was issue 56, and it was volume 3. Yeah, I don't know anything to say about that at all. So in 2019, I read Harley Quinn volume 3, number 56 from 2016. Then I did a podcast on on Albedo number 1 from 1984. One of my favorite comics, one of the jewels of my collection, are these early issues of Albedo, once again from Stephen A. Galacci. Uh, From his company, Thoughts and Images, a black-and-white independent comic book. It was an anthology series. The first issue had a story by Galachi, I believe. Yeah, a story by Stan Sakai with his Nils Ground Thumper character, a prototype of Usagi Yojimbo. And one more, which I believe was a reprint from that early No Ducks series, something like that. So a great find on eBay, great value, uh, one of the things I cherish in my collection. After that, I read Rockers number 5 from 1988, and I think I hated it. I only reviewed it for six minutes. And it was one of these Marvel books from the 80s that was just like try to capitalize on something cool at the moment and it was i think the full name of it is steel town rockers is that is that right as i do this podcast i'm just looking at the titles of all of the all of of all of the episodes i released but i not any of the notes or anything like that just going off from memory and we know how fallible that is especially mine so i don't have much to say i think the cover i remember the cover was cool it was some character rocking out on their guitar and so yeah rockers number five from 1988 from marvel Crypt of Shadows, number one, 2019. That was Marvel publishing a sort of throwback horror comic. I remember I got the variant cover with a very cheesy title, something like, No, no, please stay back, as a bunch of zombies were about to kill the main character. So uh, horror comics, horror anthology comics are always fun to check out. Next, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number 50. So, by the time you listen to this podcast, the series has ended. What did it end at? Issue 65 or so? 62? Something like that. Uh, But I had read issue number 50 at that point. Uh, Erica Henderson. Let's see. Did she leave by issue 50? I think so. I think she left at 51, 52, somewhere around there. And then Derek Charm took over the art. Nolan North was there the whole time, but uh, Squirrel Girl's always enjoyable. I'm pretty sure I reviewed one of her earlier issues at some point, and on that particular week, March 20th, 2019, I reviewed number 50. The following week, I reviewed Age of Conan, Belit, number one from 2019. So after Marvel got back the licenses for uh, a few characters, the biggest one was Star Wars of course, they got the license for most of the Conan intellectual property. So they were taking advantage of that to create some ancillary books on various other characters. There was a Conan book, there was Belit, and there was also Valeria. So I I read Belit. I didn't know anything about the character at all. The cover really stood out to me. And the interior art was about this uh, pirate queen of uh, the Age of Conan and 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 her and her er- origin story, basically. Next, I read Alien Worlds number one from 1982 from Pacific Comics. That was a comic publisher that was around in the early 80s. One of the first um, early. Uh, independent publishers uh, in the black-and-white boom of the 80s that also helped fuel the direct market. They were situated right over here in San Diego, California, my hometown. And they had some great output with some great stories. Uh, They were the publishers of the very first graphic novel. And they burned bright but fizzled out. So this book, I remember the cover was a really cool cover, maybe by Dave Stevens. No, I don't think it was Dave Stevens, but it featured a... A female space explorer, a little alien pet, perhaps, and a beautiful alien landscape. And it was an anthology series in black and white about space exploration and twist stories. After that, I read Laugh and Gas, number one, from 1986. I barely remember anything about it. I think I picked up a bunch of uh, comics on eBay just a, a variety of random things for like a dollar or two. I don't remember the publisher I don't remember why I bought it. I think it was one of these independent black and white comics that I love from the 80s. most likely some anthology. For some reason I'm thinking it was an Antarctic press but no I think Antarctic was silly comics. Yeah, Laughing Gas number 186, I don't remember you. Next week after that, I read Star Wars, Age of Republic, special number one uh, from Marvel. And it had three stories, probably. I think there was a Mace Windu story in there. Besides that, I don't remember anything else. It was the Age of the Republic, so it was back from the prequel trilogy. Probably great art. Uh, Cool story. I just don't remember anything about it. After that was Rocco's modern life. Sorry, Rocco's modern afterlife number one from twenty nineteen from Boom Studios, I think. I think they have the license for that, I think, under their kaboom imprint. And uh, that was really enjoyable. It was Rocco in the modern times of the year twenty nineteen. Uh, Heifer is a, is a streamer, uh, Mr. Bighead has a cell phone, etc. And oh, there's a zombie apocalypse happening. Wonderful connecting covers. I got all four of the retailer incentive connecting covers showing O-Town at the brink of insanity from the um, zombie apocalypse. Really fun story, great art, very on model. I, I really enjoyed that comic. After that, I read Ghost Tree Number One, and that was at the time that I started the video version of the podcast, so that was May 1st, 2019. I started recording myself talking about the comics. So if people wanted to listen to the comic, that was one thing. And if they wanted to actually watch me review the comic, that was another. Ghost Tree number one was from hmm. Um hmm, apologies, I don't remember either. Image, IDW or Dark Horse, I'm thinking Dark Horse, maybe. Anyway, it was the story of a a middle-aged guy returning to Japan to confront his past at the family's old home in rural Japan, and it was an interesting, haunting, literally, story that I thought was pretty enjoyable. After that, I read Blossom's 666 Number 1. Oh, these Archie horror comics, how I love them. Taking classic characters and put them in, putting them into the modern times with a horror twist. This one was all about that Cheryl Blossom might be the Antichrist, or perhaps her brother. They are twins, after all. And there's just evil cults and supernatural stuff happening, and a beautiful Laura Braga cover, so I remember I enjoyed that book a lot. After that was Star Wars Galaxy's Edge number one, the tie-in comic book to the Disney, the new Disney attraction of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. This was complete product placement because I remember reading the book and uh, it was exactly a recreation of the Disney uh, of, of the Disney uh, attraction, Galaxy's Edge. And even in there, someone is ordering a Ronto wrap, which is what you can buy in the actual attraction. And basically, the story was um, characters that you don't really know from the Star Wars main continuity, and uh, they're bounty hunters and stuff, and they need to go buy a... Uh, they need to go procure a baby Sarlacc to sell it to some collector or something. After that, I read Sabrina the Teenage Witch, number one, 2019. Um, that's not the Archie horror version. That was the Archie all ages or the teen version. I don't quite remember the plot, but it was yet another origin story of Sabrina starting her high school life. Uh, I think that was an Adam Hughes cover and interior arts by someone else, which is also very good, but don't remember the details of it. Sorry. Next, I read True Believers, Avengers, Rocket Raccoon number one from 2019, facsimile edition, basically, which I hated. I have the original Rocket Raccoon from 1980, whatever, 85, issue number one, and I don't remember reading it, but I read the dollar version, the True Believers version for this episode, and I didn't like it. I felt that the humor was extremely juvenile, and the plot was too weird, and I didn't like it. Although I did like the the Mike Mignola art in that, so if you can't say anything nice, at least uh, say something nice about the art. After that was the WTF mashup of the century. Red Sonia and Vampirella meet Betty and Veronica number one. And that's that's basically what that is. It's all of those four characters, the the Dynamite characters meeting the Archie characters. So Vampirella originally from Warren, uh, published in 1969, moved over to Dynamite in 2010, I believe. Red Sonia started in Marvel in the 70s and moved over to Dynamite as well. And Betty and Ronick have been around since the 40s, no joke, over at Archie, and they all get together and they have to fight supernatural stuff. Excellent covers, interior art, and story. Beasts of Burden, The Presence of Others, number one, was the one I read after that. I enjoyed it a lot. That was by writer Evan Dorkin and Interior Art, I believe, by Jill Thompson, I think. Dorkin and Thompson worked in the beasts of burden character since 2009 i think and sometimes she did and sometimes she didn't i might be mixing it up with um because i know i know i also read beasts what the cat dragged in something like that so uh, i think the presence of others is that there's a cult and they've got a town that's being taken over yeah i'm confusing this also with like eldritch men and spooky dogs something like that so i Don't remember this one. I just remember it was an enjoyable book. I'm just mixing it up with the Three Beasts of Burdens book that I've read uh, recently, but it's all good. The next episode was The Walking Dead, number 192. Before we knew that the series was going to come to an abrupt end with 193, spoiler alert, Rick Grimes is dead at the beginning of the series, dead. And guess who has to then put him down when we come when he comes back as a walker? Carl himself. Yes, the comics are very different than the TV show, very much more interesting, I think, because they can go into very good detail. And as a comic book, you can fill in the details yourself. So that was 192, which I reviewed way back in June 2019. After that was radically rearranged Ronin Ragdolls Number 1 from 2019, published by... Who published that one? I was going to say Mirage, but that doesn't make sense at all. I don't think they're actually quite open at the more. I forget what the status of Mirage is at the moment, because I know the Ninja Turtles are over at IDW. Uh, But anyway, this was a collaboration between uh, either Peter Laird or... Uh, Kevin Eastman, uh, probably Peter Laird, and uh another creator, and they uh created like a new sort of like uh, mashup animal adjective mutation sort of characters. It was three cats. A ragdoll is a type of cat. And uh they had the names of famous Japanese uh manga creators, so there was Otomo Miyazaki, probably, and one more. Um and they were like Ninja Turtles, but they were cats. And it was kind of a cool series. Uh, I believe it was a one-shot. I haven't noticed if there had been more issues. But it was kind of a one-shot. And I think there was an Indiegogo campaign or a Kickstarter or something. And I got that issue number one of the regular published comic. And it was pretty enjoyable. I liked the art and the concept. The week after that, I read Spider-Man Annual Number One, Peter Porker, the Spectacular Spider-Ham Number One. So after uh, the uh, Edge of Spider-Verse uh, movie with cameos by Peter Porker, uh, there was renewed interest in the character, and so now in 2020, the character has had his own series again. But he was like a backup character in various other series, and here is he had his own Spectacular Spider-Man uh spider ham uh from an annual from the regular spider-man comics uh, i think it it was a bit of an anthology series with a variety of creators and styles and so forth and it was pretty enjoyable although there was one fourth wall breaking uh, kind of downer of a story that i didn't quite enjoy uh didn't think it was lighthearted enough. That that one story. I think the other ones were good, and a fun, funny comic is uh, very good to kind of break up the monotony of the, of the grim and gritty comics that we might be inundated with. Speaking of which, after that, I read Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one. Yes, I have, a, I have a copy of that, but no, it's not the first printing. It was the fifth printing, so I bought the fifth printing of that off of eBay. It had a, a little bit of extra material, but uh, it was the original story, which was very grim and gritty, black and white independent comic. That was one of the comics that really started that boom in the 80s, so it was cool to go back to the original book, where I had previously read the Ronin Ragdolls a few weeks before that, so I went back to the original original very enjoyable i grew up with the turtles saturday morning cartoons which were very different and the toys and the movies and it's always cool to go back to your roots so i read the original ninja turtles fifth printing from 1986 right around that time it was time for san diego comic-con 2019 so for the week of july 17th I read the San Diego Comic-Con 1995 souvenir book. That's definitely one of the ones you, that you have to watch the video of because I spent 29 minutes talking about that book, poring over it lovingly, talking about my recollections of Comic-Con in 1995. The week after that, I did the same thing with the 2019 souvenir book and my recollections of the con and the souvenir book and meeting celebs and so forth. After that, I read Vampirella Number 1, Facsimile Edition, published in 2019, to coincide with the anniversary of her first publication in 1969. As she first started off, she was much more of a cryptkeeper style of character, introducing the stories of her book in a very funny way. The interior artists, uh, I'm thinking Alex Toast did something and maybe Wally Wood, but then I know Frank Frazetta did the cover and it was kind of interesting to see that character from 50 years ago where she, she first started off and how she evolved. After that, I read Shanda the Panda, number one, volume one, published in 1992. From, uh, it wasn't Shanda Fantasy Arts at that time. It was some independent publisher, I believe. Um, and it was really cool seeing that early 90s furry independent comic book. And that was a series that went on to 50 issues on and off from 1992 to 2019. And it was really cool to see that original Volume 1, Issue 1. Great art. A uh, very cool slice of life story of a character who is the owner of a uh, of a small uh, movie, a small movie house. After that, I read I read Amazing Spider-Man number three hundred sixty-five from nineteen ninety-two. Now that was the Spider-Man twenty-fifth anniversary series of comics. I just uh, reviewed uh, ASM. It had an amazing holographic cover which paid homage to the original Amazing Fantasy 15. It had a variety of stories. It had Mark Bagley doing the art by that point. I talked about that, waxed nostalgic about the gimmick era of the 90s and how Spider-Man was and continues to be my favorite superhero. The following week, I reviewed Amazing Fantasy number 15. No, not the original copy. I don't have one of those. I reviewed the facsimile edition that Marvel Comics published with the original ads and everything, and that was a really a blast from the past. I had some deja vu because obviously I've, I've read Spider-Man's first appearance multiple times, uh, but the other three stories in that anthology book I thought I never read them, but as I read the book again, I remembered, I think I've read these, but I don't know where. And I just had a weird sense of deja vu I remember. I read I read this this story about this this old bell ringer in an Italian seaport who is about to be engulfed by a volcano until God saves him at the last minute. Um, so it was kind of a cool trip back to Memory Lane uh, to read the original Spider-Man story. After that, I read Kanto Number 1. I remember I didn't like it at all. Moving on. Usagi Yojimbo Number 1 was published by IDW. After a long stint, probably 20 years, at Dark Horse, Usagi moved over to Volume 3 or 4. They started off at Fanta Graphics, Volume 1. I think it was at Mirage for volume two and then over to Dark Horse uh, volume three for like 150 issues and then started over again with issue number one at IDW. I like that Stan Sakai is keeping his character going and I'm reading the issues and I like them a lot, except that they're in color. I really enjoy the old black and white without color. And uh, kind of like the glossy paper stock and the color is a is a negative that I give the series, but the storing and the stories and the characterization is a plus, and I like that they're like small little storylines or even self-contained one and done issues. After that, I read Bone Number One from Image Comics, nineteen ninety five. This was a reprint. Uh, This is interesting to talk about. It was Image Comics' reprint of the original number one from cartoon books. The original Bone was from 1992 after the comic book collapse... Of the early 90s, Jeff Smith took his series over to Image so that it would not get shut down for financial hardships. And they restarted the series at number one and then continued publishing new issues, I think, at 24, from like 24 to 36 or something. And then it went independent again after the turmoil of the uh, of the comic book collapse, and then it got published for several more years until now. It is the seminal work of cartoon fiction. After that, I kept on a nostalgia trip and read Spider Man twenty ninety nine number one. So this was originally volume one. I've read, of course, volume two and three of the republished books in the in the twenty tens. And I read this original one in 93 because I loved the 2099 universe back in the day. I loved the interconnectedness of it and the futuristic look of the year 2099. I read the the book again. I I remembered uh, that I loved the art of it and the story and so forth, but that Miguel O'Hara was kind of a jerk. Next, I read Zorro number 3 from 1994. This was from Topps Comics. Yes, the ones that made uh, those trading cards. They had a comic book publishing company in the early 90s. So many publishing companies back in the day. Defiant Comics, Valiant Comics, Topps, so many to name. So Topps uh, created an original character, Lady Rawhide, and this was her first appearance. There were some amazing Mike Mayhew and Adam Hughes covers, and this was the first appearance of uh, Lady Rahai, published in 1994. So then after this, I started a Halloween themed series of episodes starting in the first week of October with Eerie Comics number one. This was a facsimile recreation of issue number one published in 1947, but then reprinted in 2016, which is often regarded as the very first horror comic. A very cool, violent comic, which was an anthology about horror stories I don't remember the exact stories except for one where like a husband uh, killed his wife by pushing her in front of a uh, a subway train but she comes back to life of course and then he jumps off of a building and there's a twist and uh, they were like that that was the template of horror comics since the beginning Next up, I read Mysteries of Unexplored Worlds, number four, from 1957. This was an original comic from 1957 that was bequeathed to me after a colleague from work passed away. Uh, His wife gave me a variety of comics from from his collection, which were comics from his youth, from the 50s and 60s. And one of them was this horror sci-fi comic. Now, it was more sci-fi than horror because this was 1957 with the Comics Code Authority in full force censoring the comics. So, no overt horror themes in this comic book. So, it was a very censored type of book, but it still had interesting stories about sci-fi and aliens and twist endings. After that, I continued the October... Halloween episodes by reviewing Chilling Adventures in Sorcery number one, as told by Sabrina from 1972. I went to the San Diego Comic Fest. It was the fifth anniversary of that uh, mini convention, and I got some cool comics for a very good price. And one of them was this, a horror comic from Archie from 1972 with classic Archie comic style. I, I'm blanking who they were exactly. It might have been uh, Goldberg or Di, DiCarlo style at that time. Um, but it was that cute sort of style of Archie books, but in horror themes. With Sabrina Spellman as acting as the narrator in Cryptkeeper. After that, I read Creepy, Volume 3, Number 1, from 2009. I... Don't remember too much of the details on that. I think it was one of the independently published comics from Paper Cuts. I think that's the one that I got signed by... Who was it? Jim Salicrup or Tom DeFalco? I think it was Jim, Jim Uh Yeah, I don't remember the details. I remember it was uh, an anthology series, Black and White, and it had twist endings, and what more can you want from a creepy comic? After that, I finished October, because there were five weeks in October, with Tales from the Creep number 1, published by Antarctic Press in 2015, another horror anthology in the 2010s, way more violent, way more vulgar. After the success of The Walking Dead, um, they really felt that they could go in that direction. And so it had stories about Nazi zombies and hillbillies, in the apocalypse and that sort of thing, great art. After that, I got my very first comic book that a publisher gave me for free. So that was hashtag free product, FCC regulations. So I was given Invasion from WrestleTopia number one. This was a digital comic. It was basically that aliens who are totally into wrestling come to Earth because one of our wrestlers here on Earth said that he was the greatest wrestler in the galaxy and these aliens say no-no to that and they come to Earth to deal with him. After that, I read The Amazing Mary Jane No. 1, 2019, with an amazing Dave Nakayama cover. Uh, It had uh, Mary Jane surfing with the Silver Surfer. And the interior story, and this was uh, the very first uh, comic book that featured Mary Jane all by herself. Well, her own solo comic, but of course she's involved with Peter Parker, so she, she was, he was there. But it's all about her, her movie career and so forth. And she finds out that Mysterio is the director, and uh, he's trying to set the record straight and stuff. Uh, great interior art, very cute. And uh, that uh, DNA cover was tremendous. After that, I read Critters number one from 1986. So I went back to one of these um, classic indie comics of the 80s, a very important furry comic of the 80s, an anthology book filled with a variety of creators Steve Galacci, who else was in that? Steve Galacci, Stan Sakai, and Joshua Quagmire with a big F U to the publisher. There was already drama happening. Uh, with uh, Kim Thompson of Fantagraphics in that very first uh, issue. So really interesting time capsule of fandom at that time. After that, I came back to the 2019s with Undiscovered Country number 1. The concept seemed amazing. Um, It was like maybe 20 or 50 years after some sort of crisis has caused the United States to wall itself off from the world and became the new hermit kingdom with no info coming in or out. They gave a little timeline of what happened, and now that I look back at it, well, with the current uh, COVID-19 crisis that we're happening in the world, uh, is Undiscovered Country going to happen? I was on board for the beginning 99% of the issue, and then the final bit of the issue, I was like, I don't know if I really want to continue this series. It just took a left turn into weirdness that I just couldn't quite get on board with. After that, I started reading *Vengeance of Vampirella* number one, volume two, published in 2019. Uh, so way back in the 90s, there was a Vampirella. There was a *Vengeance of Vampirella* number uh, one written by Snagoski, and it was uh, just a Vampirella book in the 90s, uh, the classic bad girl version of Vampirella in the 90s. And at some point in that series, she got killed. So 25 years later, in real time, supposedly in this book, the world has gone to hell, literally. Mistress Nix and the Lords of Chaos have taken over the planet, and the very few remaining humans that live are just scattered throughout. They are trying to resurrect Vampirella to save them so that she could take her revenge upon those that wronged her. After that, I published a, uh, a, a podcast t- titled eBay Comics 2019. I don't remember what I talked about. Probably comics that I bought on eBay. And on the video version of the podcast, I showed them off, I guess. After that, I read Ice Age, In the World of Magic the Gathering, number one from 1995, published by Armada, slash Valiant, I believe. So I'm a big Magic the Gathering fan. I played it back in the 90s, and there were comic books published in the 90s about those cards. I never read them in the 90s, but I got a few from eBay recently, and I reviewed it. I thought it was a cool story that tied together the cards, plus a story, plus cool art. After that, I read Creepy Number 17, Volume 1, from 1967. This was a comic book that I owned back in the 80s that my dad got me at the swap meet that was lost to the sands of time. And in my memory, I would have glimpses of this old horror comic that I had that was pretty scary. But I lost it sometime in the 30 years that I had it browsing through archives of creepy magazine covers, I came across it. I had the flash of that was the comic. That was the cover. That was the book. So I went on eBay and I bought an original copy and I read it live on that particular episode of the podcast, made a video about it too. And it was just amazing to see that original story that I had back in the 80s that was published back in the 60s. And that was the last podcast I published in 2019, reaching to the fourth anniversary of this podcast. It is now March 18th at the 208th episode of the podcast, which I've, of course, still been reviewing comics all this year long. You can go back to the archives and listen to the most recent episodes of the comics. I'm still doing the same thing, reviewing a comic book every single week for the cover, interior art, plot, and enjoyability of the book. To not leave you on a cliffhanger, I will just briefly mention the, the names of all of the comics I've reviewed so far to maybe entice you to go back. So, the year started off with Hate, number one, third printing, published in 1992... Read Only Memories, number one, from 2019. Rick and Morty, 50th issue anniversary reprint of number one, 2019. Amazing Spider-Man, number 200. Oh, that was for my 200th episode of the podcast. That was from 1980. And I reviewed the 200th issue of Amazing Spider-Man. After that was a January comic haul. So I started to do a new thing. Uh, At the end of the month... I do a quick synopsis of all of the comics I bought in a particular month, and I talk about it on the podcast as well as do the video version. Then I read Star Trek Voyager Mirrors and Smoke, number one, from 2019. After that, Star Wars, number one, from 2020. That was volume two. Space Riders Vortex of Darkness, number one, published in 2019 by Black Mask. I loved that book a lot. I really recommend it. After that, we got to the February Comic Hall. Then came Marvel Action Spider-Man Number 1, Volume 2. And just last week, I read Tank Girl 30th Anniversary, Issue 3.2, published by Titan Comics. So the show goes on. While wow, this has been a long episode of the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed my recollections of the last year leading up to the fourth anniversary of this very podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Subscribe, like, rate, review, share it. Think about going over to patreon.com slash vmcampos and watching the video version of the podcast and maybe even pledging to the podcast at one dollar. Don't forget to watch the comic hauls at the end of the month, where I have a giveaway. Or you can pledge at the $2 tier on Patreon, and I'll actually mail you a comic book in appreciation. I'll be back next week to start the fifth year of the weekly VM Campos Comic Book Club. This has been VM Campos, and I'll see you next week.